Episode 8 is hesitantly sponsored by Niso Body Cream, the only lotion to guarantee your spacesuit leaves your skin intact. Monsoon Jackson, Series 1, Episode 8, Interchange. All traders were, by definition, disreputable. Their ability to locate the items you needed, especially whatever the cost, made them the subject of regular solar force checks. However, the confiscations, fines and token imprisonments had little impact. The money that could be made from trading was enough to keep everyone committed. And it wasn't as if the solar force had never asked for products. That last minute wedding anniversary gift from the Oberon mines a rare 258th edition copy of the Anarchist Cookbook, or morally questionable foodstuffs that were subject to import restrictions. There was always a trader who could source it for you, for the right price. The right price being, always, the final figure before you walked away. Most planets had a number of portals operating. The original idea had been to ensure products could flow readily between planets, to allow trade to blossom and, not to mention, carving out a respectable profit portals were able to teleport huge volumes of product in seconds. So it was perhaps surprising security hadn't been at the top of the agenda. Naturally, traders soon found ways to mask transactions. In response, the planet councils had employed security experts at great expense to close down the loopholes. Eventually, once the security experts had ensured they'd made themselves obscenely wealthy, then, and only then, were the portals made secure. Over time, with inevitable improvements in technology, fewer portals were required. The redundant portals were decommissioned but left in place for resilience, for just in case. Because no one truly trusted new technology, although they always appeared to trust the older technology, this also being technology they didn't used to trust. It was a wonder the human race had survived. Naturally, once decommissioned, the councils no longer deemed them subject to maintenance. They locked the door and thought nothing more of them. As was known, traders found ways to reactivate a few of them. They began to move goods without import duties and, more importantly, with what they saw as unnecessarily intrusive safety concerns from busybody officials. Every so often, the solar force would find one and permanently shut it down using explosives. But, for most, they were forgotten. Lost in rooms far from the madding crowd. Of course, traders were not ones to invest in maintenance schedules. So, over time, the portals became unstable and, in a few cases, deadly. But, for now, the risk was worth it. There'd only been a few incidents, and it wasn't as if you couldn't work, missing an arm or a leg. You were a trader. You could get mech parts for a good price, no questions asked. Of course, traders had standards. They were low, really low, but even they had a limit. Several entrepreneurs had attempted to use traders as conduits for weapon shipments. The money was staggering, not to mention the promise of future wealth with more shipments. But, as all good traders, or at least traders who planned to stay alive knew, 
entrepreneurs had never been successful by giving money away. For a limited period, maybe, but not permanently. The only traders who took that kind of payment for that kind of work were the ones who didn't realise the final business transaction was their inevitable death. If you were trying to move weapons around a universe, the key to success was ensuring there was no one left alive to talk about it afterwards. Traders were natural self-promoters, and no matter the risk they would, at some point, mention their wealth or the money they'd made recently on a big commission. It was guaranteed someone sat nearby would hear the conversation. Then the story would grow and stretch to include all manner of absurdity. But the core of their brag would always get back to the entrepreneur. Not long after, the trader would be found tragically deceased, often with their ears, eyes and tongue removed. It was a corrupted message of the three wise monkeys, but nonetheless sent a clear message. Inconveniently, most traders reacted to this, not as a sign to keep quiet, but as a clear indication to stay well out of it. Anyway, they made more than enough from domestic and exotic goods for the general masses. It was better to be wealthy for the long term than obscenely rich for the moment. Admittedly, it wasn't much of a standard. Fear of a painful, excruciating death. But it was, at least, something. In general, the Solar Force tolerated the traders' grey market activities. It was illegal and certainly annoyed the legitimate homeworld distributors, but only because they had to pay taxes. Or at least, had to be seen to be doing so until some nuisance journalist found out the entire company was apparently based in a small cupboard on some off-planet tax haven for tax purposes. This did, however, sometimes mean questionable goods came onto the market that caused injury. Overall, though, there were more important crimes that needed their focus. Not to mention a raid on any of their homes was bound to find a few products missing the tax and track markers that legitimate goods held. That said, the Solar Force always reserved a special place for the Fellian traders. They were universally known for providing the cheapest and, unsurprisingly, least safe goods on the market. For most goods, that was fine. A cheap seat with some cracks in it for nearly 80% below market value was fine. But a fusion wave cooker or domestic heater that were poorly sealed usually led to serious injury and disfigurement for life. Waking up in a hospital knowing all the money you'd saved had gone on recovery bills suddenly made a bargain buy seem so much less so. Therefore, the solar force were always keen to close down any operations that involved the Fellian traders. This was frequently a lot harder to achieve than the Solar Force propaganda press releases made out. They might sell cheap and dangerous goods, but how they operated was slick, discreet and damn clever. After all, offloading faulty goods earmarked for destruction meant they had to be. The number of sellers between the buyer and the Fellian traders would always be many times removed. Once in a while, the Solar Force would make progress, but all too often, something more important came up. The general definition of more important was normally for something the council needed sorting out ahead of them announcing another pay rise for themselves. Therefore, tracking the Fellian traders was frequently handed over to private agencies. As an ex-Solar Force employee, Monsoon's reputation was already well known. This brought a lot of business his way. Unshackled from the rules and regulations, Monsoon had quickly established a reputation for results. Inevitably, there were complaints about brutality, 
But those reporting it were already in the system, and everyone knew what those kind of people were like. They'd say anything and were not to be trusted, which was of supreme use to Monsoon while slamming their head into a wall as an expedited route to all that tedious asking questions sat at a desk. It wasn't that he was a cruel man. He had, after all, been known to show decency and leniency. It was more that he was results-driven, very much by his own rules. Right now, Monsoon needed to take a break. He needed something normal, to ground him before the showdown with Lisa Tors. He decided to find a gift for Elijah, to help him keep the faith that Elijah was still alive. Once this was all over, he wanted to remind Elijah that he could be kind. He wanted to give him something, something that said something, whatever that was. But nonetheless, give him a gift. Not candles, he mentally noted. Not candles again. The moleskin would not last much longer, and he dared not drain the batteries again with cloaking. Anyway, he had Lisa to kill. Monsoon looked around at the shopping levels reaching up into the depths, no, the heights of the dome. Something, anything that said he knew Elijah well. That he listened when he talked of his dreams, his likes. What made him the man Monsoon had fallen in love with? His depth, his thoughts, his aspirations for the future, how his past had shaped him into the man he was today, forged his character, his wisdom, his being. Stop thinking about candles. Monsoon went over to a shoppy shop console and swiped his burn token across it. The system attempted to scan him for seven different unique identifiers. In the early days, Reliance had been on a fingerprint or retina scan, but as users found out too late, they could easily be removed from you by others. Entire facial scans were tried, but then, well, you only needed a photo of their face. Eventually, whole body scans were introduced, and due to some suspicious but ultimately lucrative coding, the scan also enabled insurance companies to increase your premium should anything untoward be found. In fact, it was not unknown for insurance policies to be cancelled while you were out happily shopping, perhaps buying clothes for that holiday you had planned. That would, as the e-contact from the insurance company calmly explained, at best be your last. Monsoon activated the mech arm to mask the scan. The machine was unable to identify him. It beeped in annoyance, but accepted the burn tokens nonetheless. The gift for you machine then beeped again at Monsoon. For now, he was Callum Markle. The burn tokens from Dugfries had done their job. Monsoon leant over and scanned through a range of choices for Elijah... His finger scrolled through pages, but nothing, nothing was what he knew of Elijah. Then, in desperation, Monsoon selected items you may like to gift based on the what others purchase section. Damn, that was a lot of scented candles. Then, in a moment of inspiration, Monsoon saw an advert on a nearby screen. It was for a new digital camera, the latest must-have, never to be bettered. 50,000 megapixels, 50k ready, with a 10 times optical zoom lens. Elijah had mentioned something about photography once. Something about taking, or liking, no, maybe looking at. Well, definitely something related. Monsoon waved his burn token at the screen, in a gesture that had once been used to indicate your opinion of other drivers. A light pulse to signify a successful purchase. The gift appeared moments later on one of the collection tables in the middle of the shopping centre. 
Monsoon deposited the burn tokens and the container opened. He walked with purpose. Relieved he had bought something he was almost sure Elijah would like. In the distance was the transfer hub. Once it was all over, once Lisa was dead and Elijah was safe, they would walk home, slowly, together. They'd embrace and feel lost in the arms of their best friend. Monsoon knew something was wrong the moment he stepped off the ferry craft. There was too much activity for a late afternoon on Megaclite. Not that anyone else would have noticed. There was nothing obvious to notice. But Monsoon saw it. People he hadn't seen before making discreet inquiries. He surmised a trader raid and walked towards the youngest-looking Solar Force officer. What's going on? He asked in his matter-of-fact tone. I'm sorry, sir. Keep moving. Monsoon was taken aback idiot. Just for a moment he had forgotten himself. He found a source of reflection. The moleskin was still holding. He breathed an internal sigh of relief and moved on quickly. The officer looked at him. He turned away and muttered something into his throat comms. Monsoon tried to listen but was too far away. He used another reflection to check. Was the officer coming after him? The officer was not. He was walking off in another direction. Monsoon carried on walking at a steady pace. He walked out of the port spotting someone he knew well. Didn't like, but he knew well. Detective Olaf Lang was a deeply irritating yet boring person. It took some perseverance to maintain those two traits, balancing around each other. Monsoon carefully walked behind him so he could sneak a peek at the screen Detective Lang was using. In an instant, the world stopped around him. It was crime scene images from his home. There were parts of a body in most of them. Blood splattered between each scene as if directing you to the next horror. Monsoon arrived at pace to his home. The panel on his leg was flashing amber, urging him to slow down due to overheating. There was a single officer at the front door. They made an attempt to stop Monsoon entering the residence. Monsoon entered the residence. He had reached for his credentials to cut the alarms, but of course... So he tripped the police no-entry laser tape and set off the alarms. Monsoon didn't move. He stared. Just stared. The room was in a mess. Elijah shouldn't have been here. There were signs of a struggle tufts of hair and drying blood all around the room. The dead had not gone quietly into the night. But Elijah shouldn't have been here. The scented candles found at the Aprina portal. Elijah had been there. But of course, Lisa. Another skillful misdirection. A single clue with which Monsoon had stupidly filled in all the wrong blanks. Like those people who pretended to complete a crossword quickly by writing down any word. Monsoon carried on scanning the room. This was a case. Like any other, see the evidence, find the clues, look for the smallest piece of the puzzle. He applied all of his experience to the scene in front of him. Look for the passage of events. What happened? Was anything missing? What could lead him to the killer? He held on to process, on to sequence, on to all his years of training. Then he saw it. <laughs> 
Monsoon picked something up. He went over to an unassuming panel and punched through it with his mech arm. The panel easily yielded and Monsoon pulled out a large duffel bag. He then left quickly. The solar force would be on their way to check the alarm. Once outside, he checked the unconscious officer and rolled him onto his side. He was not, after all, without mercy. It was just that he rarely gave it. Detective Lang arrived at the door. He gently kicked the officer on the floor, who groaned but did not move. Detective Lang stepped cautiously inside and was relieved to find the place vacant. It did not take a genius to work out who had paid a visit. He pressed his throat comms and barked orders. Monsoon is here, I guess wearing a moleskin, unless you all missed him and need devotion. Look for someone with mech legs. The moleskin one of disguises augmentations. Monsoon knew it wouldn't be long until the alert went out. He might not like Detective Lang, but unfortunately, he was good at his job. The order would come through to secure the transfer hub and search for him. It was the logical place. But, of course, Monsoon knew procedure. So instead, he made his way towards an unassuming grey building on the outskirts of the shopping complex. Of course, the cameras would be tracking him, but not for much longer. He guessed Detective Lang would be looking for the augmentations, but this area of the zone had dead spots. Monsoon had made use of them on a few occasions, when, when gathering evidence from willing participants. He walked around a corner and into one of these dead spots. The building appeared to have no access point. Monsoon approached and made his way around the next passageway. Then he stopped and dropped the bag he'd taken from home. He pulled out an unassuming thin metal stick from the bag and slid it into a dust-covered gap in the wall. Mechanisms clicked and whirred in response until eventually a ten-inch thick steel door swung open. Monsoon threw the bag in and stepped inside. He pushed a dust-covered button and the door shut slowly behind him. From the outside, once again, only a wall. It was an expensive concealment to be built, and one of the many advantages of taking down Fellian traders with extreme prejudice. As with Mary Jane, not all evidence was recorded. Monsoon stood and waited for all the lights to blink on. The room was musty. He could taste it. This old Fellian trader's storage unit was a perfect bolt hole dust swirled around, disturbed by his arrival. Parts of it reflected in the light and shimmered. Monsoon removed the body sack, then picked up the bag and moved it into the centre of the room. It was a wide open space banked by rows of shelves containing boxes of evidence. There was a large screen that flickered into life. It was covered in digital photos, notes, scans, lines, interlinking and a mass of other material. At the centre was the face of Lisa Tors. Of course it was her behind this. This time, trying to disable him by proxy. Monsoon went over to the bag and pulled out a hard drive. This recorded everything that went on in and around his home. That would show him the final moments. That, perhaps only now he realised how much, how desperately, this needed not to be what it appeared. Monsoon centred himself and took a deep breath, Focus, direct the pain, but not on self-pity and regret. He placed the camera down onto a unit. A small screen blinked into life. 
a message came up stating, processing video content. While it downloaded and decrypted the images, Monsoon began to empty the bag. He had amassed a range of currency, fake IDs, travel cards and shoppy shop burn tokens in his time. Not for this eventuality, never for this. It had only been for if, or more likely when, he'd gone too far. He'd selfishly, stupidly assumed Elijah would have just come with him, running away like a child does when they get angry at not being told they're right. Of course, Elijah wouldn't have come. He would have spoken to Monsoon about reality, about being grown up about things, about about taking responsibility. Monsoon opened a cupboard. Several changes of clothing and practical items for keeping clean and healthy. Even that stupid little travel brush that Elijah had brought on their second date. As a joke, of course. But it was amazing what turned up in charity shops. A piece of history back when human hygiene was disgusting and required manual intervention to sort it out. He placed the toothbrush into a pocket and zipped it shut. Yet more came out of the bag. A collection of add-on attachments for exoskeletons to enhance his ability with climbing, seeing and, most importantly, falling. Then a number of weapons across a range of disciplines. He placed them onto the nearby charging plate which hummed into life. He then took off Mary Jane, concealed around his augmentations. Mary Jane, the weapon that ensured everyone knew he meant business. That you should stop lying and tell the truth. That his patience had worn too thin. Then, Monsoon pulled from the bag Mary Jane's long-forgotten, hideously disfigured and much larger sister. This was not a weapon designed to harm. It was a weapon to eradicate you from existence. Monsoon had taken to calling her the Sister of Mercy. Because, well, because it amused him. Monsoon stopped for a moment. The sister felt a little warm. Monsoon turned it round, checked it over. All seemed in order. He placed the sister down, resting his hand on her for a moment. It was telling him something. There was no time for this. Monsoon carried on. Unpacked, Monsoon turned around to the board. He studied all the lines and images he knew so well. His finger traced all the connections and how everything always, eventually, led back to Lisa Tors. Unpacked, Monsoon turned around to the board. He studied all the lines and the images he knew so well. His finger traced all the connections and how everything always eventually led back to Lisa Tors. And clever though she was, this wasn't about evidence and arrest anymore. This was about ending things, ending her. And however Lisa Tors was ready for him, whatever steps she'd taken in readiness for his arrival, Monsoon would kill her. He would rip her apart, make sure nothing of her was left alive. Naturally, there'd be no evidence linking her to events at Monsoon's home. That would have been some hired gun who was now lying headless in a hole somewhere. But as much as he didn't care about evidence, he needed something. He needed something that told him his actions were justified. That if he was going to do this, he had not made a mistake. She'd gone too far this time, but her death still had to mean something. The unit processing the images pinged. Monsoon slid his finger up a panel on the table. The images streamed onto the screen in front of him, 
the flurry of digital activity dancing in his eyes. The upload stopped. Monsoon took a breath. He leant just for a moment on the table. He readied his soul and his future for the next few moments. Then touched the play button. You have been listening to Monsoon Jackson, created and written by Andy Case for Leet Motif Productions Limited. The narrator, Monsoon Jackson, was voiced by Cameron K. McEwen. Other characters were voiced by Michelle Duncan and Cameron K. McEwen. The adverts were voiced by Heather Dent Cowan. The story, all names, characters and incidents portrayed in this production are fictitious. Copyright 2018.